Hello and welcome to Liberty Coin and Precious Metals Radio. This is Joseph, um, along with Mark Loniker, the president of the company. Today we'll be interviewing Trace Mayer of uh, runagold.com as well as howtovanish.com. Um, so, welcome, Trace. How are you today? Great, great. Glad to be with you. I noticed uh, one of the things that's interesting about your website is that you have a quote from um, Dr. Edwin Vera. And interestingly enough, we have the same quote in our, our office, so I think we uh, share the same philosophy. Let me just go ahead and read this quote. Thus, the fight over gold and silver as a medium of exchange is about more than mere money, let alone making money. For it is a fight with only two possible outcomes, either control of their own lives by the people themselves or control of the people and their lives by political and economic elitists. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh you know, gold and silver, it's impossible to understand sound money without understanding that it that they serve as bulwarks against despotic inroads on the part of governments, to quote Mises. They serve as essential checks and balances in the political machinery uh, that we operate. In effect, they protect against confiscation through inflation, which is a form of taxation without representation and without due process of law. So when people have control over money and they have control over currency, the the unit of account, the, the medium of exchange that's used in ordinary day-to-day -day transactions, they have control over the fruits of their labors. In effect, they have control over the choices that they've made in the past. And without that pillar of freedom and without that pillar of liberty, we can't really have the other pillars of liberty. For example, involuntary servitude or slavery, which is control over our choices in the present, or uh, protection of life, which is control over the ability to make choices in the future. And we see now that uh, despotic governments, uh, like the United States government, for example, uh, and the assassination of Anwar al-Awlaki, who hadn't been charged with a crime, who hadn't been convicted of a crime, there was no grand jury investigation, there was no indictment. Uh, Obama just said, that guy, kill him, and he did. And that is the antithesis of a free and open society where people have control over their selves, over their money, and over their, their future. And without those things, and sound money plays a critical, even an essential role in that protection, uh, as Dr. Vieira has outlined, uh, that's one of the reasons why when you buy gold and silver, you buy freedom. You go long freedom and short tyranny. In effect, you're fighting every, every central bank in the world, and you're fighting governments, too, because governments do not want people to be free. They want to exterminate freedom, and they want to turn everybody into slaves. And in order to do that, they're premised on the use of violence and the use of force in order to accomplish that. And they'll use every tool at their disposal in order to accomplish it. So when we look at gold and silver, it's not really about making money, although it's nice to do that, but it's more about he who has the gold makes the rules. And one of the reasons that we don't have the political and legal freedoms that we used to have is because, for the most part, people just don't have any gold. So they're not going to make any rules, and they're going to get treated like livestock. Right. And uh, I think one of the other things that's interesting is every time a government wants to go to war, they almost have to take themselves off the gold standards because as long as they're limited to sound money, that, that money is going to get consumed right away. But if they have the power to print and create more money, and we see 
that there's more violence in the world because basically they can use all the force that they want. There's nothing holding them back at that point. Well, yeah, I mean, what rational person is going to borrow money to build something and blow it up and in the process blow up something else that has productive and useful value? And thus, the only thing left on the balance sheet is a bunch of debt. Uh, war, and, you know, a lot of people want to say, oh, well, we got out of the Great Depression because of World War II, and, you know, that's not the case. Uh, it's been thoroughly debunked by the Austrian School of Economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, war does serve the interests of people who make bombs, and it serves the interests of politicians who want to reduce the unemployment rate. And so, you know, they're, they, they're the ones who want to spend other people's money blowing up productive things. And that just, you know, war is the perfect example of government's role. And government's role is a giant wealth destroyer. That's all they can do. They can only destroy wealth. They can't actually create any. Uh, if they could create any, then they wouldn't have to rely on violence and force to go and expropriate assets from people, and they wouldn't have to rely on confiscation through inflation, which is just a, an alternative form of taxation because they have control over legal tender. And, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate thing, but people have allowed it to happen, and they're not uh, standing up for their unalienable right to use what they want to use as currency, and so they're going to continue to be uh, have their faces ground until they decide to actually stand up and do something about it. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing it start to happen, whether it's the Tea Party movement or the Occupy Wall Streets, or uh, you look over there at the Arab Spring. I mean, the world is in commotion, <laughs> and it's propelled the, the precious metals into forward motion like we haven't seen before in a long time. Mm-hmm. Right. I think you can see that, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that know that something's wrong. Like if Occupy Wall Street is a little bit uh, off course as well, the Tea Party, I think we could both agree on that. But there is an awakening of people that realize that there's something fatally flawed in our system and they're not able to uh, put their hand on it. So I think, you know, places that distribute gold and silver and then push people to actually take control of their financial situation again are pretty essential in this fight. Yeah, and the other thing is when you look at fiat currencies, in, a, in essence, the way you want to value them is as the common stock of those governments that issue them, as the institutions that issue them. Uh, the Eurozone, you know, I'd short that. <laughs> you know, I'd short, I'd short the Eurozone. I don't think that these politicians in Belgium really have what it takes to keep it together. Uh, Papinandrou, he just booted out the... Uh, the top generals of the Air Force, the Army, and the Navy, and replace them with lieutenant generals that all the other political parties in Greece are opposed to. Uh, I'd short Greece, <laughs> you know? If it's a stock, I think its charts uh, should look more like Netflix's, you know? And, uh, and that's, what, that's what we're in. We're in a cycle where the faith in government is waning, and their common stocks are falling. And they've fallen against gold. Every major currency has fallen against gold for the last 10 years. And look at the change in uh, people's views towards government. I mean, do people, everybody makes cracks about government. Everybody, like, knows that they're completely incompetent and they're just destroying wealth. 
and everybody knows that they're just a bunch of, you know, they're just a bunch of losers that can't actually do anything productive in the real world. They can't get anybody to give them anything consensually, and so they have to go out and rape people of their money in order to in order to sustain themselves and people are just sick and tired and they're fed up with it and they're starting to buy gold and silver in response to it you know because that's how the germans riot they just buy gold <laughs> they've been through this right. before right well you know we have like you said the wealth destruction you know i was just reading an article recently where the average family of four here in america uh for 2010 the their average income uh, was down 3.8 percent <clears throat> and then you take the inflation, like the John Williams has at shadowstats.com for that particular year of about 7%, and now the average family of four, you know, no wonder they're wondering what's wrong, why they're falling behind. They're down 10% combining those two just in 2010. So you have the, the, you know, the, you have, you have both uh, individuals working, sending their kids, kids to public school. There's no way they're going to be able to send them to college at this rate. And uh, because of the wealth destruction, the hidden inflation tax, that is, that people are starting to realize, you know, what's wrong, what's happened to me. I mean, we're, we're both working and we're going backwards. Right, and it's not just, uh, I mean, you're measuring 10% and you're probably doing it in dollars, which is faulty. <clears throat> uh, my dad, you know, he's a little bit older than you. When he uh, came back, you know, he, he graduated from school, he took his first job uh, with one of the big railroads, earned $900 a month. Now, back when he took the job, gold was $35 an ounce. That means he was making about 25.7 ounces of gold per month mm -hmm. as his salary. That's about $500,000 a year as a brand new college graduate with no experience in today's money. Right. Wow. And right. now the average American family is making like, I don't even know what it is, $40,000 or whatever. And, and they, like, they're... They should, you know, a college graduate should be making five hundred or six hundred thousand dollars right now, and there should be plenty of employment opportunities for it. In fact, our economy, because of all the advances in technology, should be so rocking and rolling, and the demand for labor should be so high that that anybody who wants a job should be able to find one because we shouldn't be, you know, we shouldn't be able to find enough people. Uh, to do all the work that needs to be done because we have computer and technology and things like this to, to make the average worker so productive. But you know, where's that, the average family, they're making what, $35,000, $40,000. They're struggling to get by, food prices are going up, gas prices are going up. And where's that, you know, where's that, that other $550,000 going? Well, I'll tell you where it's going before I flew in down here. Uh, ATC routed us around because there were two F-18 Hornets that were flying into Miramar right in front of us burning $2,000 an hour of gas. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where their money's going. You know, you want to know why you're struggling? It's because they're flying around the world, bombing things, blowing things up, uh, taking your money, wasting it uh, in all types of uh, uneconomical, inefficient uh, forms because they have no pricing mechanism to figure out what the market wants uh, from, you know, what the consumer wants. And they don't have a pricing mechanism because their pricing mechanism is a gun or it's a boot on your neck or on your back. And that's how they operate. They don't, you know, they're not accountable 
to consumers. You know, as a small business owner, you I think you understand what it means to have customers, and you want to take care of customers, and you have customer service, and you do what you can to uh, meet their needs. You know, that's how a small business owner, that's how someone who believes in operating voluntarily as opposed to coercively operates. And the governments around the world have shown that they are only good at destroying wealth and the degree to which they have destroyed the average person's standard of living over the last 30 years is abominable. Great, great. You know, I, I was uh, looking at your website recently and I, I was watching one of the videos uh, back when gold was you know, just over $1,000 and at the time you were saying it was going to be headed fairly quickly to 1300 Well, obviously that's already come true. <laughs> yeah, and, and I was you, right. You were, spot on, <laughs> you were spot on there, you know, now that we're sitting here you know, in the fall of 2011 at about uh, 1760 today. Um, where do you see this, you know, going from here? With Obviously, you know, we were talking before that, you know, we've, we've had this week um, MF Global, you know, one of the <laughs> market makers, you know, implode. And, and because of what you just said about Europe, you know, we have so much counterparty risk that's going to be exposed and is being exposed this week with MF Global. There's going to be a lot of people stepping away from, I think, some of these obligations in the derivatives market, which... You know, in my opinion, is going to you know could cause a potential you know waterfall event uh, in the derivatives market. You could actually have uh, uh, the markets could freeze up. You know, we could end up having a bank holiday or something here fairly soon. What what, what do you see coming in that area? Yeah, it's uh, it is thoroughly insane. <laughs> the current market that we're in. Uh, anybody who doesn't have a position in the physical metals where they own the physical metal without any counterparty risk whether that's a coin or a bar in your hand or something like gold money i like them uh they're just stupid like <laughs> i'm sorry you're just dumb uh but you know it's good for there to be dumb people who make bad choices because then the wealth shifts to those of us that make wise choices mm -hmm. right and so and then the the capital gets to be allocated in a in a more profitable manner right, right. <laughs> and what we're seeing like with mf global this is insanity they're a primary broker dealer with the fed and now they're gone and people are running to the sipc you know uh the, the investment for, uh, for securities or running to the government's investment for securities program, hoping that they're going to, to get some scraps from the government, kind of like people who have bank accounts, hope that they're going to get something from the FDIC, mm -hmm. which they are for now, they've been getting, uh, because you know we have bank failure Friday, and every right. Friday a couple banks fail. People don't understand that uh, what it's like to have a good, hard bank run. Mm -hmm. uh, my grandmother grew up on a farm, uh, you know, right next door to Sandra Day O'Connor's uh, family. And Sandra Day O'Connor's father, uh, from what, if I understand the story correctly from my grandma, he sold the farm and he took the money down to the bank and he put it in the bank and the next day the bank failed. This was during the Depression. So, huh. like, that entire family's uh, endowment, gone, poof, in one day. And I think he... he I'm not sure what, what he did in response to that, but I know it wasn't very good. Yeah, and, uh, you know, people don't understand just how fragile the banking system is because we've got these derivatives. Warren Buffett calls them financial weapons of mass destruction. They're littered on the balance sheets. Everybody's bonuses are paid based on how high they can overvalue these things mm -hmm. and how low they can undervalue the liabilities. And so you've got all these assets that are overvalued, all these liabilities that are undervalued, 
and everybody knows that everybody else is lying, but nobody wants to pull the trigger, and now somebody's pulled the trigger with MF Global, and boom, it's gone. <laughs> like, it, just like Lehman Brothers. Yeah. And, like, who's next? Because Siemens... Jeffries today. Yeah, like Je- Jeff, Jeffries down 20%. And, like, Siemens, the big, uh, the big company out of Germany, they actually set up their own bank and put $6 billion in it because they don't want to be held hostage to these mm-hmm. banks. They need their operating capital to run their their factories and things like that. Right. I, I, I and, just, go ahead. Oh, and we don't understand, I think a lot of people take for granted how complicated our modern-day economy is and how vitally important the pricing mechanism is because, you know, we... At the end of the day, it's about Siemens being able to make this little screw that goes in this machine, that goes in this other machine, that like plants the corn so that so that the truck can take it to the supermarket so that you can freaking eat. Like right. the economy is super complicated and if we're going to survive and continue supporting seven billion people and and they require fifteen hundred calories, we're gonna have to figure out a way to, to price things and accurately do it. And I think a lot of people take for granted that there's just food on the shelves. Like, it didn't just get there. And for most of humanity, starvation and famine has been a common occurrence. And we're, you know, when we start having these banking and financial shocks, you know, what happens when the bank runs? What happens when ExxonMobil doesn't make payroll? Mm -hmm. And when Lehman Brothers went down, you had CFOs of Fortune 500 companies calling Treasury saying, you know, if you don't get this money market fund run, uh, like, fixed, we might not make payroll. So if ExxonMobil, Chevron, Walmart, they, they aren't able to make payroll, you know, that's just going to trickle through the economy mm-hmm. and boom, the machine stops. I mean, it, we're, the, the, what, what governments have done by interfering in the market for so long has so distorted the pricing mechanism that price and value no longer have any rational relationship to each other. And that's a very dangerous position for us to be in as holders of capital, as people who need to actually operate on a certain number of calories every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have 46 million people on food stamps. Where are they going to get their 1,500 calories a day? And so, I mean, it's a a very, very... uh, kind of tinderbox that we're sitting on and all of it is just bullish for the precious metals because you know what if if we have massive massive uh food shortages or anything like that you know gold will still be there Mm -hmm. they're 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 pulling gold out of the ocean (laughs) it's been down there 500 years it doesn't care (laughs) like you know i mean i'm a pilot i was just flying uh i was just flying up by john wayne and boom oil emergency light came on and fortunately it was just a sensor but i can't lobby congress to pass a law to repeal the law of gravity to bail me out so i can get down (laughs) you know it doesn't work that way and we and there are laws of economics and there are ways that 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 the economy works and functions and it's extremely complicated and we've just so screwed it up that you know i i I hope that we can make it out of this uh, with some type of a of a rational and uh, thinking way of doing it without just evolving into complete 
trouble. I think Mises touches on that, you know, like any time that there is government involvement in the economy, actually the, what you are going to do is create shortages within the economy. So if the free market's working, what people decide that they want, they're naturally going to move their assets into. But when you have an entity that comes in and says that there's a certain portion of the economy that's just going to be taken and spent for these these items, well, the people don't necessarily want to spend their, their money on these things. So, you know, it ends up that you come to a point where, you know, those are malinvestments. And we're seeing that now with the unfolding in the economy. Um, I want well, to... Well, and to hit on that, you know, price controls lead to shortages. Shortages lead to rationing. History, yeah. And what we've done, you know, you're looking at Austrian business cycle theory, the gold price suppression scheme, which, you know, when you have legal tender for these little illusions of Federal Reserve notes that have no intrinsic value but are only backed by governmental force to say you have to take that in order to pay taxes or in order to pay a debt then that acts as a price control and and it suppresses interest rates and interest rates regulate production over time and so what we've done is we've we've taken production from the future and we've 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 stimulated all that production over the last you know 20 30 years at the expense of the future and so those resources aren't going to be available in the future and so the malinvestment is just huge mm -hmm. of what of what governments have done and it's yeah it's going to be this liquidation process and that's what we're in the process of doing is liquidating out all this malinvestment but governments they want to keep prices high they don't they want to prevent the credit liquidation that has to happen and will happen and there's nothing they can do to stop it right uh, they can only prolong it and make it more harmful uh, and and that's going to you know they they want to keep unemployment from skyrocketing but you know we need to have some unemployment happen we need to have the economy shifted and redone uh, and creatively destroyed and so yeah I mean it's I agree Mises Mises foresaw a lot of this because there are cause and effect uh, forces at work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd uh, be interested in hearing what your opinion is on this. So one of the questions we get asked a lot, you know, if the United States government were to default, what would that happen? What does that mean for gold? And the interesting thing I think that people forget is that the United States government has already defaulted twice <laughs> in its yeah. history. So it happened once in 1933 when uh, Roosevelt called in all the gold and then instantly reevaluated it to $35. And it happened again in 1971 where Nixon officially took us off the gold standard. And throughout all of this, what we see is that gold has had an integral part to play throughout this. It's always been kind of the stage and they're, they keep on trying to... Um, suppress its legitimacy as money but it's it it continues to fail so what's your opinion on that yeah well the default you know first let's define it uh you know we we need to be paid in full on time as agreed uh what are we going to be paid in full what's that mean we're going to be paid dollars well there's no intelligible definition to a dollar it's a federal reserve note uh, we're not guaranteed a certain amount of purchasing power or a certain amount of gold mm -hmm. uh on time as agreed they can print as much of this uh, out of thin air as they want. They're monetizing the debt right now as mm -hmm. we speak. Uh, so it's a form of subtle default if you want to talk about purchasing power. But the U.S. government isn't going to default. They can just print as much as they want. Which Alan Greenspan touched you know, on. Which, right? which Alan Greenspan touched <laughs> on. I mean, that's, you know. But it's going to have the same effect as a default uh, and probably be done strategically uh, as a competitive devaluation. Right. And that's where they print, uh, you know, as much as they kind of need in order to pay their debt over time. Because, 
you know, if we have credit card debt or some other other type of mortgage, it's not like we can just print to pay mm-hmm. off our debt. You know, <laughs> what difference does it make if we're in debt if we if we can print as much as we want? Uh, but what they can't do is they can't uh, they can't print productive value. They can't print uh, things of worth. Right. They can only confiscate wealth through inflation, and that wealth has to have been generated in some other portion or sector of the economy. And so the true cost of that debt that's being liquidated uh, through the subtle default, if you if that's what you want to call it, which is the devaluation, it falls on other people and holders of capital. And ultimately, who it's going to fall on are mainly going to be people who are in fixed interest rate, dollar-denominated debt. But it might take 10 or 20 years. Who knows how long it's going to take for this to play out. Uh, but longer, longer they try to prolong it, the longer the the precious metals secular bull market's going to be. I agree. Well, um, Trace, thank you very much. Um, if you want to learn more about Trace and you know what he brings to the freedom movement, you can go to his website. What was the name of the website again? Uh, RunToGold.com and also HowToVanish.com. All right. Well, we here at Liberty Coin and Precious Metals, thank you very much for giving your time with us today and uh, wish you all the best luck in the future. You're welcome. It was feisty.